for tuning in to another edition of Outside the Shop with me, Eros, Daryl, D-Lane, as always, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Everett, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via, being recorded from Buffalo, New York, as always, it is time, Wild Card Weekend, me and Ben Karen, host of the Sports Crawler Podcast, will preview Every matchup, we'll also talk about some college football, some NFL storylines as well. Now, before we get to Ben, going to do this. Shameless plug. First-time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you listen to me on Spotify, you can click on the timestamp and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you want to listen to. It is for your convenience. Also... Follow me on Twitter at NightTrain underscore Lane and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane and you will find it. And lastly, if you have Apple or if you have iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. If there's a moderate reason, if you don't like the pod, then take a page what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. You got up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Ben Karen on, host of the Sports Father Podcast. Come next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a friend, a father, a husband, a son, host of the Sports Gobbler podcast, resident of the state of Arizona, former resident of the state of Vermont, a former Texas A&M Aggie, a former attendee of Vermont, the University of Vermont, an avid chess player, maybe one day a future grandmaster, hopefully the father of a future grandmaster, a man who's into the collectible business, a school psychologist, somebody who hasn't gone bald just yet, Ben Karen. How you doing, Ben? I'm good, Daryl. I'm telling you, the going bald thing is not far away from happening at this point in time, unfortunately. Really? It, it's happening, man. It's, it's getting there. Would you ever get, like, the laser surgery to stop it? No, no. But, but it, once, it, once it gets far enough along, man, I'm just going all the way bald. Really? Why, go Ben? <laughs> I'm not going to go half and half or something like that. Yeah, that's my greatest fear is losing my hair. I mean, I'm already kind of low-key starting to lose my hairline a little bit, and it's devastating. Uh, it is what it is. It's just, you know, it's life, man. Um, you know, I said, hey, Michael Jordan was bald. Yeah, but Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. <laughs> I don't think it was. You know, a lot of people were telling me it's, it's good to go bald after you're married. That's probably the time to do it. It probably wouldn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you see how LeBron's hairline has made a comeback, though, recently? I have seen that. I thought that was kind of interesting. Matter of fact, 
I, I think LeBron is a little insecure about it. I think he should just go all the way bald. I, I think that'd be the uh, the best way for him to go too. I mean, look at KD's hair. KD's hair, if you see, he has a bald spot at the top of his head. Yeah, yeah. KD's around my age, and he's, he's got a similar thing going on with his hair. We're both starting to get that spot in kind of the same place. So, Ben, let's start with this. Brian Flores fired. Thoughts? Uh, shock, Daryl. This was something that legitimately shocked me. I certainly thought with just um, them hiring him a couple years ago that they were going to give him uh, every opportunity to be successful. And in my opinion, I would have given Brian Flores at least one more year. I believe he was 24 and 25 as the head coach of the Dolphins. Um, And I think that's pretty impressive, Daryl, when you consider the fact that you kind of have a revolving door at the quarterback position. You've got Tua, and we're not really sure he's a starter in the NFL. And you have Ryan Fitzpatrick that you won games with. Um, and, and things have just kind of been a, a little bit all over the place um, at that position. And we know that um, when, when you don't have a uh, star-level player playing at quarterback, uh, the team's chances of being successful go way down. So... I would have given Flores at least one more year, and I think he's going to be one of the most popular um, options available for uh, these seven or so teams that are looking to hire a head coach. Miami should be ashamed of what they did to this man, Ben. Well, Miami has not had a lot of um, other coaches, I would say, that have been as promising as Brian Flores. Um, Really, I think they've been a team, for the most part, it's kind of been grasping for straws since the days of Jimmy Johnson and, and Dan Marino in both the coach and the quarterback position. And I'm not saying necessarily that, um, you know, Brian Flores is next uh, Jimmy Johnson, but I think he's a pretty good coach. Um, I think it would have benefited their organization to keep him around. What this reminds me of is when you have a, and anything, right? You're in business and, the business has been run horribly for so long. Then you finally get the new boss in there. And he realizes this place is run like crap. The employees are on their phones the whole time. The 30-minute bathroom breaks, turn, uh, 30-minute uh, breaks turn into hour, two-hour-long breaks. People uh, are having their friends clock in two hours before they even show up to the shift. And the new boss comes in and says, screw all that. We're going to do everything by the book and we're going to do it the right way. And then people around the office, people around the workplace are kind of like, ah, he's too hard, he's too tough, I don't really like him, when all he's doing is demanding a certain amount of accountability. And I think that's part of the reason why maybe Brian Flores was on the outs. It it could be. I think another argument that you could make for Flores being on the outs is obviously Miami hasn't made the playoffs. Um, However, when you look at it traditionally over the last 20 years or so, I've they haven't had a whole lot of success as far as making the playoffs go or winning playoff games or anything like that. Um, I believe back in the late 2000s, uh, they at least made the playoffs, I think, with Tony Sperano as their head coach. But much past that, there really hasn't been much of anything happening for them. Um, 
So I think that was a major factor too, and I think the the slow start this season, um, followed up by the missed opportunity to maybe go to the playoffs with a loss to the Saints. Um, or no, did they beat the Saints? They, they lost, they lost it, uh week seventeen. Yeah, the the, the late loss I think uh, kind of sealed their fate for the season, and I, I think it kind of sealed the fate for Brian Flores, even though I disagree with that. If you fire somebody, here's my one rule. You can fire him, Ben, but you need to find somebody better. Don't fire somebody just to fire them and say we're making a change. Fire somebody because you're finding somebody better. If it's Jim Harbaugh, fine, fine. But don't fire him and then bring in uh, Joe Schmo. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's my one thing. Well, I think when you go out and you, you make a decision to fire a coach like Brian Flores, I, I think it sends up a red flag to other coaching candidates. Um, and, and I think that they've kind of shot themselves in the foot with that as well. So I, I think higher-profile coaching candidates are probably not even interested in going to Miami at this point. So I have a hard time seeing them finding somebody better than, than Flores uh, moving forward. And honestly, a, a lot of this too now with them going to be able to find how they find uh, another coach is if Brian got fired this quickly, it's kind of like, you know, could I get fired this quickly? Is this how they treat their guys? But, and also, I do have to ask you this. Uh, apparently, he told two attack below to his face, I'd rather have Mac Jones. Now, I don't know if that contributed to anything, but I think that's interesting. Well, I think that that, that, that sets up a potential problem. We don't know the context in which he said that to him. No, I think and, he blasted him and kind of told him, like, straight up, like, it was it was to be critical. Yeah. I don't know if he was trying to inadvertently motivate him or, or, or do something like that, um, but I, I do think that's somewhat of a problem when you're saying stuff like that to players. Um, but I'm not sure that that's uh, worthy in and of itself of, of losing your job. And I would say, how the hell did Tua attack Valoa get that type of juice to fire Brian Flores? Who is Tua? Who is Tua? Yeah, well, exactly. I don't think he's, he's played poorly, but I think they need to make a long-term decision on him and go one way or the other here. Apparently, the Texans are looking at him. Do you think that would be a good move for Brian Flores? There's the Nick Casario connection. They both worked in New England together. Do you think that would be a good fit for Brian Flores? Um, No. I mean, I, I think the Texans, honestly, Daryl, I think they're a lot like the Dolphins. Another dysfunctional franchise um, who fired their head coach way too early. I don't think they gave Coley a fair shot, Daryl. I mean, not even close. In fact, I think I think Coley might may have overperformed down in, in Houston based on what he had around him to work with. Um, you know, in the circus that was the Houston Texans. If I'm Brian Flores, Daryl, I I'd rather I'd rather just sit out a season than be the coach of the Texans because I think that's just glutton for more punishment. You know, if if a franchise like the Denver Broncos or um, maybe the New York Giants even 
Minnesota Vikings, one of those kind of franchises, wants to offer Brian Flores a job, and I'm him, I'm listening. But Texans, no way. And I'm pretty sure if they're uh, folks, Ben would gladly take him as the next DC for the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, absolutely. We'd love that. So, next, let's go to this Joe Judge. How shocked were you that he was fired? Um, I was more shocked that, that, um, that Coley and Flores got fired. Um, I think what, what surprised me more than anything else is, is I'm just not sure, Daryl, that Joe Judge was the problem for the Giants. Personally, when I look at the Giants, I, I think the biggest problem for them was David Gettleman. Um, he's put them in, 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 in such a terrible position as far as the cap goes heading into this coming season uh, that it's not even funny. They've overpaid for a lot of players that haven't even come close to living up to expectations. They've done wacky things in the draft that to me don't make much sense a lot of times. Uh, and Another thing for Judge is he kind of just took the job and, you know, I mean, he didn't even get to choose his own quarterback. Um, and I I do think, and I probably disagree with you here some because I think you'll feel differently. I, I think Daniel Jones is part of the problem uh, with the Giants. I, I don't think he's maybe the biggest problem, but I think in order to really be successful in the NFL, your quarterback has to be special, and I don't I don't think he's a special quarterback, Daryl. I would agree with you. I don't think he's special, but I would say Daniel Jones is far from the problem in New York. He's not the biggest problem, but I, you know, I mean, I, I think at best he's he's like a Baker Mayfield. I would say a Ryan Tannehill. But then again, Ryan Tannehill's the number one seed in the AFC right now. Uh, Baker Mayfield's won playoff games. I think you can be successful, but I, I, I've i seen enough from Daniel Jones that I truly believe if he's in a good situation, he can be a pretty good quarterback in this league. And I think they've done him a disservice. I don't think you're not asking him to be special. Like there's, like there's only about 10 to 12 quarterbacks in this league that I would call special. He's not one of those guys, and that's fine. I think you can still win without having one of those guys. But they need to build up the roster. Saquon Barkley, they drafted him number two overall. This man has not played in two seasons. That's an issue. They have still not found a way to replace the elite production Odell Beckham was giving them at the wide receiver position. That is an issue. The offensive line has been horrendous. They fired Jason Garrett in OC. You didn't agree with that. I particularly didn't agree with that either. So now there's no continuity. Yeah, well, obviously, firing Garrett did not make them better on offense. They actually got worse on offense when he left. Um, and I, I would say this about Joe Judge, too, Daryl, kind of getting back to him. Uh, I, I know he was definitely somebody that I was surprised by when the Giants hired him a couple years ago. Um, I remember us talking about that. And, you know, we, we never heard of Joe Judge before the Giants hired him. He was a special teams coach for the uh, Patriots. For the New England Patriots. Um, you know, never been an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, or anything like that. And I, I kind of got the feeling like, hey, uh, is this guy even really qualified to be a head coach? And, and I think, you know, two years after watching him coach the Giants, I still kind of wonder that. You know, was he just in over his head right from the get-go? Because at a lot of points, it kind of looked that way to me. Yeah, you know, there's fair. I mean, I disagree with the special teams 
coordinator. I don't think you should hate on the special teams guys. I mean, Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh, he's an example of a guy with a special teams coordinator, and he's been a very good coach. I, I don't think you always have to go the offensive-defensive coordinator route because I, I do think the, the biggest part of that coach is to be a leader of men, to run a system, uh, you know, to hire people in place that can maybe cover up those holes. But obviously Joe Judge wasn't doing that, and he fired Jason Garrett, which I think we both agree probably wasn't the move. I think they probably should have given him another year, but uh, he didn't really earn it. So, I mean, I, I can't be, to get too mad that he got fired. It's not, I, I mean, I don't think Joe Judge can lose sleep overnight. He might say maybe should they have given him another year. Yeah, probably. I think we can all agree on that, but it's not like, this is the biggest tragedy in the world. The team was 4-13. and 13. He didn't get another year. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's not like that. <laughs> I, I think maybe, too, just looking at what happened with the Philadelphia Eagles, who division rival for the Giants, um, you know, might have played a factor in it, too. You know, Nick Sirianni comes in, uh, and I don't think the Eagles were that much better than the Giants, to be honest with you, Daryl. And, uh, you know, at least from a talent perspective, and the Eagles are, are now a playoff team, and the New York Giants haven't moved the needle at all. I think the Giants might be looking uh, for their version of a, of a Nick Sirianni. Now, Mike Zimmer, how shocked were you he was fired from Minnesota? I wasn't shocked by this at all, Daryl. Um They've, they've underperformed based on how much talent they've had on that team for, for a number of years now. And I actually would uh, would be honest with you here and, and tell you I think he needed to go. I think he's an example of a guy that's probably a great defensive coordinator, but he's just not going to be a head coach. Really, Ben? I think Mike Zimmer should get another shot. Oh, I, I don't. I mean... Yeah, solid quarterback in Minnesota, solid wide receivers, guys like Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs before he left, Justin Jefferson now, Dalvin Cook at the running back position. Like, you ought to be in the, you ought to be a perennial playoff team, Daryl, with the amount of talent Minnesota had. They're solid all the way around, even on defense. There's no reason why, why the Vikings shouldn't have been in the playoffs this year. I like Mike Zimmer. I think Mike Zimmer should get another shot. I I'm Team Zimmer. He he coaches. He can coach up some defense, Ben. And we did see winning-wise, he got them to an NFC Championship game. With Case Keenum, by the way, who's now a backup. That, that did happen. But, you know, I'm, I guess I'm looking at everything as a whole. Um, and that would be my takeaway is I think he underperformed with the talent he, he was given. So David Culley fired. How shameful was it what they did to David Culley, Ben? Well, I think this was the, the most shameful firing out of out of all of them, if, if I'm going to be frank with you. And I know I touched on it a little bit earlier, but, <clears throat> you know, he really, really kind of impressed me this season, Daryl. Um, nobody expected anything from the Texans. He, he walked into, like, a complete disaster situation there um to sh the whole deshaun watson thing they got you know they traded away jj watt um really left the cupboard bare for him and here he comes and tyrod taylor obviously gets injured uh he wins on opening day against the jaguars 
And they won some other games down the stretch. They played New England tough this season, this season even though they lost that game. They played Tennessee they, tough? They, they, they played Tennessee tough. They beat Justin Herbert and the Chargers, um, even though both teams for that game were kind of depleted. Um, but I was... To be honest with you, Daryl, I was kind of impressed with what he, he managed to accomplish uh, when you consider that Davis Mills was his quarterback. And I think Davis Mills played better than most people would have thought, too. Davis Mills got better as the season progressed, actually. So so I, I look at this, and I just I have to ask, if you're the Houston Texans, what more do you want from this man? I, I think this was a situation of he was never the long-term guy. The clock was ticking the moment he was hired. I think he was just supposed to be a professional placeholder until they got the coach they wanted. I think that's what it was. I think it's like uh, when your coach in college football has a scandal, you promote the OC, he's the coach for a year, then you go out and get your big name coach. Or maybe what's going on with Bob Stoops. When Bob Stoops came in with Lincoln Riley, okay, Bob, you come in just for a bowl game, but this time it's just for a year, then it's understood you're leaving. I think that's what it was. And I don't know if David Culley knew that going in, but I think that's what the Houston Texans brass, Nick Casario, the ownership, the McNairs, I think that's what they were planning all along. Which well, is sad. Um, I, I think it was shameful. <laughs> Very shameful. Uh, and I'm sticking with that, um, regardless of what we're talking about here. Um, I, I thought the man outperformed expectations. I would have never fired him uh, had I been in that position. So now let's go to this Matt Nagy fired. Thoughts on that? Uh, I could have probably gone either way on this. Really? I'm higher on Mike Zimmer than Matt Nagy. Um, yeah, I mean, Nagy had a winning record with Chicago, made the playoffs a couple times. Um, Nagy, in my opinion, had less talent around him than Zimmer. Um, but I guess this is what I, this is what I would say. Um, for the different quarterbacks that he was working with, um, I, I think he probably got fired because from... The way everything looks to me so far, it looks like they've been unable to really select an elite-level quarterback. Uh, they're kind of in a similar situation, I think, to the New York Giants, uh, where they have a quarterback that's, that's good but not great. Uh, and I think that's going to kind of be a limiting factor for them in, in, until they um, find, a, find a solution. And I'm not really sold on Justin Fields so far based on what I've seen. I think the biggest thing that killed McNaggy is... He's an offensive coordinator. He's supposed to be a quarterback guru, a guy to develop the quarterback. He had Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields. He didn't develop those guys. He didn't. Correct. Uh, and that's why he was brought there. At the end of the day, we can talk about Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer always had that defense playing well. He was specifically for there. If you're specifically for there to make the offense go, then the offense needs to go. Else, why the hell are you there? <laughs> like, like... When he was getting the job, and he, Matt Nagy was selling his pitch, Ben, I'm sure that pitch included, I can develop quarterbacks, right? I'm sure that came up in the conversation. And that you know, didn't happen. Cool. I mean, that's like his calling card. Now, I would agree with you. He's fallen short of doing that. Although, I think Mitch did play a little bit better than people thought he would. 
So Vic Vangio fired from Denver. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I saw this one coming, Daryl. It, it was time for Vic to go. Um, he's just not uh, really keeping up with the rest of that division. Um, he's supposed to be a defensive guru. They really can't do anything against the Chiefs. Um, the Chargers are starting to push him around a little bit. And, and then I, I'm, I'm sure probably the kiss of death for him was that Denver got off to a pretty good start. And it ended up being... Um, a team that didn't make the playoffs this year. Well, you look around, and um, the Raiders, despite having chaos, end up making the playoffs. Uh, Vic Mangio, I think, has underperformed for a number of seasons, though. So um, I, I kind of put him in the same category as a, as a Mike Zimmer. I think he's probably a really good defensive coordinator, but, but probably not head coach material. I would agree with you. Uh, I would have been okay if he got another year. I would like to see him with a t- better quarterback to see how they would do. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's kind of the Joe Judge situation. Not losing sleep sleepover. Vic Vangio not keeping his job. It's not a travesty like Brian Flores or a, even a David Culley. Those guys who clearly, clearly should have gotten a chance to coach for another year. So lastly, Ben, I'm going to give you some trivia. Okay, Ben? Bill Belichick has drafted 12 quarterbacks since joining the Patriots in 2000. Seven of them are in the playoffs right now. You want to guess who those seven are? Um, let's do it. And and this includes, we. I'm going to give you a hint here. You want the hint? Sure. Okay. These quarterbacks are coaches. They count coaches, backup quarterbacks, and starting quarterbacks. Oh, all right. Well, so that's good. And, and, all, and seven of them, Bill Belichick drafted them as quarterbacks since 2000. So there's seven of them? Yes. Okay. So Brady, that's pretty easy. Yes. Uh, Mac Jones. Yes. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes. Um, hmm. Three out of the seven. I'm trying to think. One of the quarterbacks, think New England still for one of the quarterbacks. And think Auburn. Jared Stidham. Yes. Is that who you're thinking of? Yeah, yeah, I was forgetting the name. And then the three others are coaches. I'll give you a hint. One of them is a head coach in the NFL. Which is actually ironic. One of them is a head coach who Bill Belichick drafted as a quarterback. Yes. Yeah, okay. And I'll give you the other two because they're position coaches, and I don't think you'd get that. Kevin O'Connell, L.A. Rams offensive coordinator, and Zach Robinson, the L.A. Rams quarterback coach. I probably would not have gotten those guys. 
So in total, Bill Belichick, seven of his quarterbacks, they're going to be in the postseason. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to preview Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. Cut up next out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Back with Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Ben Karen with us, host of the Sports Squabbler podcast. So let's start with this. Saturday, January 15th, NFL wildcard weekend begins. The road to the Super Bowl in LA starts. I hope you're as excited as I am, Ben. We have the Raiders traveling to your city, your adopted city, right? Home of the Cincinnati Bearcats, but also the Cincinnati Bengals. Burrow versus Carr. It's going to be on NBC, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Who you got, Ben? I think it's going to be a great game, Daryl. And um, I'm sure that you can sympathize with me here. You know I'm a Bengals fan. And the Bengals are kind of going through something like your Buffalo Bills were going through up until a couple years ago. But I'm here to tell you right here tonight, this is the end of the line for the Bengals, Daryl. Because they've got a guy now in Joe Burrow that I think is going to take this team, put them on his back, and get them over this over this hump. This uh, drought ends tomorrow. I got Cincinnati Bengals winning this game, and I think they do it in convincing fashion. Raiders are tired. Played a played a long game last weekend. Now they got travel across the country. And I just don't think they can keep up with Bengals' offense, Daryl. I like Bengals here. I'm going to say 35-22, they get the job done. I think this is actually a game that's going to be offensive fireworks. I'm going to go with the Bengals as well. I'm going to say Bengals 37 to the Raiders 34. But I think there's going to be a lot of points put up. I don't think Derek Carr and Co. are going to go out without a fight. They fought all year. I just think Cincinnati is... A much more talented team. And I don't see the Raiders getting the stops consistently because this offense with Joe Burrow and company, it's deep. You have Higgins, Boyd, Jamar Chase, who in my opinion might be the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, but that's a whole other story for a whole other day. Joe Mixon, a thousand yard rusher. Not the best offensive line in the world. And the Raiders have uh, some good defensive ends that can rush the passer, but I don't think they're going to cause Joe Burrow to make enough mistakes or rattle this offense enough to where I think that's going to be a huge issue in the game. So I'm going to go Bengals. And next for the late night game, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, the number six seeded New England Patriots travel to Buffalo, New York. They will be in Orchard Park to face the Buffalo Bills. The third time both these teams have faced each other in six weeks. So they know each other very well. Ben, tell me what I want to hear. This game is going to be below zero, by the way. They're going to have the ambulances outside the stadium at New Era Field to make sure if fans are going a little crazy that they can go to the hospital because the game is going to be so cold. Who you got, Ben? 
Well, I am going to tell you what you want to hear on this one, Daryl. I think everything has been set up for Buffalo to take this game. It's in Orchard Park. I like Josh Allen more than I like Mac Jones. And basically, with that being said, I think Buffalo finds a way to win this game. And I think they need to win this game more than the Patriots. I think it'd just be, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of backlash if the Bills don't win this game. And I do think the Patriots are a tough draw. But I, I, I like their chances here, Daryl. I'm going to say Buffalo wins. Um, I'm going to say 24 to 20 against the Patriots. It's going to be close. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills 23 to the Patriots 20. I think this is going to be a lot closer to the game. Uh, where the Patriots rushed for almost 200 yards as opposed to the game where Josh Allen went bananas uh, in Foxborough. But the Bills are the better team, better quarterback. I know McDaniels and Belichick, they're going to cook up something on both the offense and the defense side of the ball uh, to fluster Buffalo a little bit. They're a big physical team. I think the running game is going to play a big part in this game. But I think Josh Allen is going to be special uh, on Saturday night. I think he's going to be special. I think he's going to make some plays that you're like, no matter what scheme we do, however we want to play this coverage, you just can't stop it. So I think we're going to have one of those games. And I think the Bills are going to find a way to survive. But this is going to be a very tough, physical, hard-fought football game. Uh, this is going to be a game for the fans, Ben. So next we have, uh, for Sunday, the Sunday slated games, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Any chance Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni can get a upset, Ben? Well, I think there's a slight chance of it because we know Tampa Bay has a lot of injuries. Uh, but even with that being said, I'm, I'm still going to pick uh, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that's defending Super Bowl champions to get the job done. I like Tampa Bay here. Uh, I'm going to say 28-21. to 21. I think it's fairly close, uh, but Buccaneers find a way to get it done. I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. The strength of the Philadelphia Eagles is running the football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a phenomenal run defense. I think that's going to cancel each other out. I think the Buccaneers with Tom Brady, they're going to find their, they're, they're going to find ways to get the offense going. I know they don't have the deep threat that is Antonio Brown, but I think they're going to work the middle of the field with Gronkowski, Cameron Brates, Mike Evans. They've had a couple other wide receivers that have emerged. So I think New England should get to the 30-point threshold, 20 to 30 points. And I think it's going to be a struggle for the Eagles to keep up with that as well. So I'm going to say New uh, Tampa 30 to Philadelphia 13. Next, we have the San Francisco 49ers at the Dallas Cowboys. We're invigorating that old rivalry for the, all those NFC Championship games back in the day. Aikman, Montana, Dion, Michael Irvin, uh, all those guys. Who do you see coming out on top, Ben? Is this a game for the fans? I don't think it is going to be a game for the fans, Daryl. Um, I've liked Dallas all year, but they've been 5-3 and three in their last eight games. Uh, they have done nothing to convince me that they can beat good football teams. And I like uh, the space that the 49ers are coming into here, having just beat up on the, on the Rams in the second half of that game last weekend. They're going to be coming in with all kinds of confidence. I think San Francisco is just going to be able to out-physical the Cowboys. I think they take the game. It's going to be close. I'll say 30-17. to 
I'm going to go with the 49ers as well. I'm going to say the Niners win 24. Actually, I'll say 49ers 27 to the Cowboys 24. 49ers, their front seven is very good with Nick Bosa and company. Uh, they have linebackers who can run. I know Dallas likes to run the ball. I think they're going to cause some issues for the Cowboys off the line. I think Dak's going to have to have a special game, actually, to beat this San Francisco team. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of him, but Kyle Shanahan is an offensive mastermind. Jimmy Garoppolo's just good enough. They find ways to run the ball. Good play action team, Debo Samuel. They play him all over the field. Uh, I don't think Dallas is ready for the scheme of San Francisco and how physical San Francisco is going to play uh, so I'm going to go with the 49ers in a really competitive hardball football game. Next, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Any chance Pittsburgh can get a little revenge on the Chiefs for what they did to them a couple weeks prior. I'm not seeing it here. I think Pittsburgh is clearly, clearly the lesser of the two teams. Um, I think Kansas City has an opportunity to maybe um, run the score up some here. I'm going to say Kansas City wins this one. I'm going to say Kansas City gets 40, Pittsburgh gets 27. I'm going to go with Kansas City. I'll say they win 26, and I'll say the Steelers 16. 16. I think this game will be a lot closer. I think they'll do a better job of getting some pressure on Mahomes, but the Chiefs are just a better football team from top to bottom. So next, Monday Night Football. Arizona Cardinals at the L.A. Rams. Ben, who you got? Well, I'm going to go with my hometown Cardinals here, Daryl. They've already gone to Los Angeles and won once. I do not think that the Rams are going to be able to slow them down on offense. Um, if DeAndre Hopkins comes back and A.J. Green is out there and Christian Kirk, uh, it's going to be too many weapons. I think Arizona has a real chance to overwhelm the Rams, and then I can see them putting the Rams into a situation where Matthew Stafford needs to throw the ball a bunch of times, uh, and we do know that he is prone to mistakes, uh, and I think that Arizona is going to capitalize on one of those mistakes and seal this one out. I'll have Arizona here 38 to Los Angeles 34. I'm going to go with the Rams. I just think they're a better football team. Uh, and I know there are some concerns about Matthew Stafford turning the football over, but I worry about how Kyler Murray is going to handle the pass rush of the Rams because Aaron Donald's going to be coming after him. Uh, so I think that's going to be an issue. Also, I just worry about how Cliff and this whole offense works in the postseason. They're too spread. I know they're they're very speed-based, but when they face the physicality that's in the playoffs, I wonder how this team is going to react. Uh, so I'm going to go Rams. I'll say 42 to the Cardinals, 38. I think this is going to be a very exciting game and a game for the fans, Ben. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of good games this weekend. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break. And then cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, me and Ben are going to talk some college football. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Despite the fact that he led 
his high school to four straight state championship game appearances. Very few high major recruiters looked at the six foot tall, 180 pounder and said, quarterback. Throw it on a dime, like I ain't even trying. Just a kid from Briarwoods, I'm wearing number nine. Met Coach Franklin down at Vandy, flipped to Happy Valley. Now I'm coming back and got the natty on my mind. Back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Ben Karen with us, host of Sports Weather Podcast, and now we're gonna talk some college football. So, Ben, the let's go, let's let's go with this. Thoughts on Georgia Alabama national championship game? Well, a little bit surprised, obviously. I picked Alabama to win the game, um, and even even late, you know, it, it looked like Alabama was going to pull away um, in the fourth quarter there, especially when there was that. Uh, weird fumble recovery, which I think the referees completely gave the benefit of the doubt to the Clemson Tide on that, uh, just as a um, FYI there. Um, I, I thought Alabama had the game shown up when they had like 18 to 12, I think, or 18 to 13. Um, but uh, to Georgia's credit, man, they, they had a lot of fight in them late, and they came back, they stormed back, and they won the game. And Quite frankly, I'm surprised at how, how badly they managed to beat Alabama up in the last part of the game. So, Ben, you've been disrespecting Kirby. Can you say Kirby's better than Jimbo now? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll have to say that. He's been to the finals twice, and he's, now he's champion. So, so just because of one game, you're going to say he's better? Correct. Oh, Ben. Oh. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I thought Kirby was still better no matter what. So, I mean, I guess. You know, but but I will say this. Yeah, you know, Kirby, man, is uh, he's an interesting guy, I think. Some of these coaches, uh, Dab- Dabo Sweeney's of the world, and, uh, the uh, Mario Cristobal's of the world, the Jimbo Fishers, guys like that, even, even Nick Saban to some degree, you know. These guys are all charismatic and stuff like that. I think I, I will say this acknowledgement of Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is not charismatic. So in, in, my, in my mind, it's even more impressive that he managed to motivate his team to mount a second-half comeback. You don't, think, you don't think he's charismatic? Not at all. And the adjustments Georgia's defense made against Alabama, I think... They represented themselves well. They did, and I, I liked the adjustments the offense made late. Um, the offense was the ones that were getting it done. So Alabama had no answers for them late. Alabama really didn't. Uh, Bryce Young, the more I look at it, I don't know if he should have been the Heisman Trophy winner, but that's just me. Uh but congrats to the Georgia Bulldogs. I think they capped off. And they were the number one team for the base of the whole season, Ben. I mean, and they kind of proved that they were the best team. Absolutely. You know, they, they had a great opportunity in front of them to avenge their only loss of the season. And they went out and did it. Uh, very much the same way that the Tide did it um, about a decade earlier when they got the rematch against LSU. So let's go here. 
So the AP poll released their final uh, set of college football rankings. I just want your thoughts on this. So Georgia was number one. That's fine, right? Uh-huh. Two was Alabama, three Michigan, four Cincinnati. Are you fine with that top four? Well, it makes sense considering the fact that they all um, made the playoffs. Okay, so five was Baylor, six was Ohio State, seven Oklahoma State, eight Notre Dame, nine Michigan, ten Oklahoma, eleven Ole Miss, twelve Utah, thirteen Pittsburgh, fourteen Clemson, fifteen Wake Forest, sixteen Louisiana Lafayette, seventeen Houston, eighteen Kentucky, nineteen BYU, twenty NC State, twenty one Arkansas, twenty two Oregon, twenty three Iowa. 24, Utah State, 25, San Diego State. (laughs) (laughs) Ben. Oh, Ben, you do this stuff to me to raise my blood pressure. Um, (laughs) Look, I've got a couple issues here with with, uh, with the the rankings. And you you know I'm about to dive into this from from the standpoint of being a Texas A&M Aggie. No, that they're not ranked. There's no way that they should not be ranked. How's Clemson ranked so high? <laughs> well, I'm getting to that in a minute. But A&M didn't even have an opportunity to play a bowl game. So, you know, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily just drop them out completely. I mean, we're still talking about the only team other than Georgia this season, to beat Alabama, who's a perennial powerhouse. Um, Clemson, to me, I would agree with you there. I think that's kind of a head scratcher that they're rated so high. They're 14th. And, and then I would also say this. I mean, why is Arkansas ranked so low? Arkansas won a New Year's Six Bowl game this, this year. Kentucky's ahead of Arkansas. Did Kentucky face Arkansas this year? Maybe that's why. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I can I can get back to you on that in a moment here. Because um, that'd be interesting to look at. Because I, you are right. I, I do wonder how that comes about. Yeah, I, I thought, like, I mean, Arkansas beat Penn State. Um, Arkansas and Kentucky did not play this season. You are right. They didn't. They played last. Okay, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, that is interesting. Kentucky probably won their, Kentucky did win their bowl game, though, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're legitimate. I believe they were in a New York Six bowl game as well. Houston was ranked higher than all. I mean, I guess I get why they did that, but uh, it just feels a little bit fraudulent. That's all. But it bothers you that A and M's out. Oh yeah, most definitely. I know A and M is better than some of those teams. A and M's going to beat San Diego State by double digits. So let's go to this. Uh, Kirk uh, Fernance of that coach of Iowa, he just got extended through 2029. What'd you think of that? I was kind of surprised by that. I mean, I, I didn't think he'd be coaching for another 10 years. Really? Why? Well, I thought he was getting up there in age. 
He loves the game, Ben. Hasn't he been coaching uh, with Iowa since the late 90s? I think so. I, I mean, that's incredible. That, like, that kind of longevity. Something about that black and yellow, man. The Pittsburgh Steelers, same thing. You know, their coaches stay forever. Gene Chizik is going to be the defensive coordinator at the University of North Carolina. How do you like that move? Well, uh, if I'm if I'm Mac Brown, I like it because because I, I think I think he just masterminded his his, uh, his way to a big move. If I'm Gene Chizik, I'd probably be looking for another head coaching job. <laughs> uh, if I wanted to be in college football. It's a little bit little bit of an insult to him after win a championship in the SEC to go be a coordinator in the ACC. <laughs> you think that's disrespectful? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I guess he, he must have been fine with it, though, if he took the job. So, Ben, are you saying if you're Gene Chizik, you don't take the job? If I'm Gene Chizik, I don't take the job. And Luke Fickle got uh, Coach of the Year Award. He got the Coach of the Year Award, I believe. Uh, the FWAA's Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award. How do you feel about that, Ben? Well, I mean, I'm okay with it. Uh, his team was undefeated heading into the uh, heading into the playoffs. Um, obviously, I probably if it was if it was my award to give out, um, I would have I would have given it out differently. Um, I probably would have given it to Jim Harbaugh for what he did with Michigan this year. Okay, so, Ben. Now, I think I know what you're going to say to this, but I'm going to try you a little bit. So, North Dakota State. 2012, national champions. 2013, national champions. 2014, national champions. 2015, national champions. 2016, national champions. 2018, national champions. 2019, national champions. 2020, national champions. 2022 national champions. So they have won since 2012. They have won how many national championships? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine national championships. That's amazing, right, Ben? Well, it is an incredible level of dominance. Can we not consider this one of the best runs in college football? Well, they're, they're not really, you know, playing D1 football. I mean, you know they're 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 not in the FBS, so I'd be a little bit hesitant to say that. Um, you know, if they're doing that in the FBS Division One, um, I'd feel differently. Best Alabama players ever. I'm just gonna give you a list. Okay, last ten years: Devonte Smith, Derrick Henry, Najee Harris, Amari Cooper, Minka Fitzpatrick, Jonathan Allen. Will Anderson Jr., C.J. Mosley, Tua Tagovailoa, Cam Robinson. Who's number one on that list for you? Oh, man. That's a good question. I'd probably have to go with Derrick Henry. Really? Over Devontae? To win a Heisman Trophy as a running back and then to go on and do what he did in the NFL. I mean, he's, just, he's been a wrecking ball since the day he was in college. Who would be second on your list? So you have Devontae, Najee, Amari, Minka, 
Jonathan Allen, Will Anderson Jr., C.J. Mosley, Tua, Cam Robinson. I'd probably go Will, Will um, Allen Jr. Will Anderson Jr. Really? Jr., I'm sorry. Yes. He was all over the field against Georgia. Yeah, I, I like him. I think he's real versatile. Um, I think he's going to do some amazing things in the NFL. So then who would you have third? Uh, third for me would probably be Devontae. What about four? You still have Najee, Amari, Minka, Jonathan Allen, C.J. Mosley, Tua, Ken Robinson. Um, yeah, that gets hard. I, I would say maybe Minka at four. Okay, me. Minka at four. So at five now, who would you have five? Probably Najee Harris for me at five. What about six? Well, who do we have left here? Tua, Cam Robinson. CJ Mosley, uh, Jonathan Allen, and Amari. I'd probably say Tua. Okay, Tua. So then at seven. Eight. Here I would put Cam. Nine. Bruce. So then ten, you'd have Amari. I'd have Amari at ten. Yeah, you know I've never been high on Amari. Really? I thought you were high on Amari, Ben. No, not not very high on him. I, I don't think he's that special. I don't even think he's the best receiver on his team right now, Daryl. Who's the best receiver on his team? I think C.D. Lamb is uh, at least more athletically gifted. So, let's go to this, Ben. College football dynasties. So, I'm going to give you dynasties, okay? And I want you to rank them for me. Okay. So, you have the Bama dynasty, 2009 to now. You have the Oklahoma dynasty. 1948 to 1958. You have the Miami Dynasty, 1983 to 1991. You have the Notre Dame Dynasty, 1946 to 49. You have the Nebraska Dynasty, 1993 to 1997. You have the Alabama Dynasty, 1961 to 1979 and the USC Dynasty, 1972 to 1979. Who's at number one? Hard. I haven't even watched some of his, some of these dynasties play. I've just heard about them before. Um, well, the ba- well, from 1961 to 1979, both those are Bear Bryant. That's Bear Bryant. Yeah, I think what Alabama's doing right now, in my opinion, Daryl, has to be near the top. They're on. They're almost always either winning the finishing runner-up. Ben, I'll, I'll actually give you something that's really interesting. Since Nick Saban has gotten there, their first year they won like eight games, but once you take out that year, they have been ranked number one at some point every single year. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. We're talking about well over a decade of dominance. Every year they have been ranked. At some point during the season, they have been ranked number one. At some point during the season, they have been ranked number one. 
Like, that's crazy when you think about it. Oh, it's insanity. I mean, I, I, I think it's the best dynasty. Probably, period. And but lastly... I mean, one's on that list, I mean, for sure. You know, Notre Dame was... <laughs> from, from uh, you know, a standpoint of being uh, nationally popular, would probably have been close to the top. So, my last question for you, Ben, is going to be this. So, Caleb Williams. Did we talk about this, about how Charlie Batch offered him $1 million? We did talk about it, to go to Eastern Michigan. Yes. Do you think money should drive his decision? No, I mean, not, not in the slightest. I think he's in a position where, as long as he makes the right move uh, for him and his career... Um, one million dollars is probably going to be insignificant down the road. If you go to Eastern Michigan, you're probably going to get less national exposure than if you go to a, you know, Power Five team. I would personally go to a Power Five school if I was Caleb Williams, where I knew I could start, and you know, I try to show out there, and I'd, I'd have a little bit of better platform, I think. To get noticed and, and, and to um, have scouts come see me play. That's a fair point, Ben. Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Hey, anytime, Daryl. Always good to be talking with you about football. And once again, I want to thank Ben Karen, host of the Sports Wilder Podcast, for coming on the show. Always appreciate it when Ben can come on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 379th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.